What's more refreshing than spring rain? What's more entertaining than watching clouds move? Or more fun than a big box of isobars? Look no further. Welcome to the Weather Jazz Podcast. Here's Andre. Everybody, welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and periodically some interesting off topic episodes that, for no other reason, your host finds interesting. And I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Berlier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in season three, just in case you're joining us for the first time, and I hope it's the first of many episodes. This is season three, episode 27 for Wednesday, Science Wednesday, February 8, 2023. Two weeks ago, we started a brand new series about our own world, the big blue marble series where we visit some really interesting places on our very own planet. Today is the second installment, and the very first one, we went to an equatorial island, the Galapagos Islands, and today we'll go to another island. More on that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Rise and Dine Restaurant in Chesterland. Great place for breakfast and lunch, open 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Wednesday through Monday. They take Tuesdays off. Give everybody a little R&R, always a good, good thing, because on Wednesday they are ready to meet your needs, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or something in between. Pay them a visit sometime. They're on the southeast corner of Mayfield and Chillicothe Road, better known as 322 and 306. And that is the sound of a very popular Greenlandic song from the most popular Greenlandic band, Nanook. And we'll talk more about Nanook a little bit later on in the next episode of Weather Jazz. But today, we are going to focus on some of the unique properties of the largest island on planet Earth. And you really wouldn't think of it as an island, but take a look at a map. It is distinctly an island. We're talking about the country of Greenland. And when you think of Greenland, perhaps you think of an independent country all by itself, and certainly a place which is sparsely populated. More on that in just a bit. But first of all, let's straighten one thing out. It is one of three constituent countries that actually form the Kingdom of Denmark. Greenland, 
along with Denmark and the Faroe Islands, all make up the kingdom of Denmark. But there is a reason why we call it Greenland and not Denmark, and more on that as we explore a little more of the politics of Greenland coming up in just a little bit. Now, even though Greenland is considered a part of North America, it has been politically and culturally associated with Europe, specifically Norway and Denmark as the colonial powers. In its earliest recorded history, back in the 10th century and on to the 13th century, Norsemen from Norway settled the uninhabited southern part of Greenland. Then in the early 17th century, Danish explorers reached Greenland again. Greenland became Danish in 1814 and fully integrated in the Danish state in 1953 under the Constitution of Denmark. And with that, the people of Greenland became citizens of Denmark. Now in 1979, Denmark did grant home rule to Greenland. What does that mean? That essentially gives the Greenlanders a little more authority and a little more say of what happens on the island. Now, they're still under the Danish crown. However, Greenlanders pretty much rule themselves. They are given home rule. As mentioned earlier, it is a very sparsely populated island. The majority of the residents, which, by the way, are Inuit, today the population is concentrated mostly on the southwest coast, while the rest of the island is pretty much uninhabitable. Three-quarters of Greenland is essentially covered by the only permanent ice sheet outside of Antarctica. Greenland's total population, 56,081 as of 2020. Incidentally, here's an interesting tidbit about the people who live in Greenland. They rely on and live off of the highest shares of renewable energy in the world. In fact, it's 70% mostly coming from hydropower. Now, there is an awful lot of misconception as to why Greenland was called Greenland when there was so much ice on the island. Well, early Norse settlers named the island Greenland and in the Icelandic sagas, the Norwegian-born Icelander Eric the Red was exiled from Iceland for manslaughter. Well, Eric the Red boarded his family on several ships and decided to explore an icy land known to lie to the northwest of Iceland. And he found it after finding a habitable area near the shoreline. He named it Greenland supposedly in the hopes that the pleasant name would attract other settlers. Now, there are a ton of different ways that you can investigate the climate of what an area was like by looking at things like clamshell data and ice core samples. Of course, there's plenty of ice on Greenland, so they certainly have no shortage of that. So, what was found? Well, between 800 and 1300 A.D., Regions around the fjords of southern Greenland experienced a very mild climate. In fact, it was several degrees Celsius higher than what is seen today. And that means that and that means that trees and herbaceous plants could grow there along with livestock being farmed. They actually grew barley for a short while on Greenland. It was one of the crops that was grown all the way up to the 70th parallel. In other words, 
70 degrees north. That's not even close to possible today. So what happened? Well, the sun went into what is called the Maunder Minimum. And with that, extremely low numbers of sunspots for many, many decades. What that did was cooled the Earth's atmosphere by and large and set in motion what we now know as the Little Ice Age. Temperatures in Greenland fell to an average of 10 degrees Celsius. That's a huge shift. As a result of that, farming could no longer be done, and a lot of the settlements that were there between 800 and 1300 A.D. were simply abandoned. When the Little Ice Age was over, some of the coastal settlements were once again re-inhabited, but farming today not quite as prevalent as it was during that medieval warm period. Now, here's something that you probably have never heard before, and I certainly didn't until I started digging into what Greenland was all about. You see, in 1867, U.S. Secretary of State William H. Seward, does that name sound familiar? Well, he worked with former Senator Robert J. Walker to actually explore the possibility of buying Greenland and perhaps even Iceland. Remember, it was Seward who actually penned the deal to buy Alaska. And at the time, it was thought that maybe that was a silly purchase, and it was dubbed Seward's Folly or Seward's Icebox. Just imagine for a moment what the world would look like if the USA included Alaska, Hawaii, Greenland, and Iceland. Well, the opposition in Congress ended that project pretty quickly. But following World War II, the U.S. developed a geopolitical interest in Greenland. And in 1946, the U.S. offered to buy the island from Denmark for $100 million. Denmark refused to sell it. But even as recent as August of 2019, the U.S. again proposed to buy the country, promoting Premier Kim Kilsen to issue the statement, quote, Greenland is not for sale and cannot be sold. But Greenland is open for trade and cooperation with other countries, including the United States, unquote. Like Iceland, one of the things that Greenland is starting to gear towards is tourism. And the number of tourists actually increased from 77,000 per year to over 105,000 per year between 2015 and 2020. Well, weather-wise, Greenland is certainly a treasure trove of data. As a matter of fact, the lowest temperature ever recorded in the Northern Hemisphere was recorded in Greenland. It was near the topographic summit of the Greenland Ice Sheet on the 22nd of November 1991, so that's relatively recent. And the temperature reached 69.6 degrees below zero Celsius. In Fahrenheit, that's 93.3 below zero. Now, the Greenland capital is Nuuk, N-U-U-K. And the average daily temperature from winter to summer varies from a wintertime high temperature of 22 degrees Fahrenheit to just under 50 in the summertime. What is the wildlife like in Greenland? Well, Greenland 
is home to some native land mammals, including the polar bear, reindeer, who incidentally were introduced by the Europeans, the Arctic fox, the Arctic hare, the musk ox, the collared lemming, the ermine, and the Arctic wolf. Oh, and by the way, if you're not a fan of reptiles or amphibians, Greenland might be a great destination for you since there are no native free-living reptiles or amphibians anywhere on the island. As you may have already figured out, with so many towns along the shoreline, the economy is highly dependent on fishing, very similar to that of Iceland. Fishing accounts for more than 90% of Greenland's exports. And like Iceland, the country has an extremely high literacy rate. As a matter of fact, in Greenland, it's 100%. And the majority of the population speaks West Greenlandic. And most people living in Greenland are bilingual and or trilingual. The other two languages that are frequently spoken are Danish, and that makes a lot of sense, as well as English. And as we wrap things up, you may be interested in knowing what the denominational background is spiritually in Greenland. Well over 95% of the population of Greenland essentially are Protestants, 0.2% Roman Catholic, other Christian denominations, 0.4%. Inuit spiritual beliefs include just under 1%, and a total of about 2.5% fall into other categories. We are just about ready to wrap things up on this installment of the Big Blue Marble in Science Wednesday, investigating different places on our planet. We started with the Galapagos Islands right along the equator today, We went to Greenland, the world's largest island. But before we say goodbye, let me tell you a little bit about what we will have on Open Line Friday. Something very special. We're going to talk about Greenlandic music. Now, here's the setup. Greenland also has a successful, albeit a small, music culture. There are some very popular Greenlandic bands that are out there performing. Artists include Sume, which is classic rock, Chili Friday, which is rock, Nanook, which is rock with a Greenlandic flavor, but we also have hip-hop, Nuuk Posse, along with Rasmus Lieberth, who's a folk singer. And by the way, Rasmus was lifted to prominence as the Danish national final for the 1979 Eurovision Song Contest And I'll tell you what, Eurovision is huge everywhere, especially in the Nordic countries, in the UK, also in Iceland and in Greenland. But Rasmus became the national finalist in 1979, performing a song in Greenlandic. Now, one of those bands that I mentioned, the lead singer will be with me on Friday. We talked about all kinds of things, including music, music culture, and things of that nature from his hometown of Nuuk, N-U-U-K, the capital of Greenland. That's coming up on Friday. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence. You're the only folks that have 
access to those people to let them know that you listen to Weather Jazz. And let them know on social media, email, or word of mouth, over the fence as I like to say. And I'm always available at your fingertips two ways, via email, weatherjazz at yahoo.com, and also via voicemail. You can call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. The number 234-525-5888. Open Line Friday is going to be very, very special. My special guest will be the lead singer of Nanook, a gentleman by the name of Christian Elsner. What a wonderful interview and what a great time we had together. I can't wait to share this with you two days from now on Open Line Friday, right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and sun.